This week, we are going to be in the Gospel of John. We're going to look at a story that is near the end of Jesus' ministry. It's actually a story about Lazarus and his two sisters. And it's actually a week or close to right before Palm Sunday, what we know as Palm Sunday, or when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, celebrated as a king. So we're going to look today at Lazarus. And join with me as we read John 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble. For they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles away from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, Notice how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? 
Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the holy word of God. Will you all pray with me? God, today lead Simon and lead him in the message you need to deliver to us today. Thank you for Simon's passion and his love for you and his love for everybody sitting in this room. Let your power and your word strengthen him today as he glorifies only you. These words that you have planted in his heart and let these words then seep into our hearts. Lead us Let us all take these words and put them into practice as we go from this place. Let us hear your word today. Amen. Good morning, everybody. My name is Simon Campbell. I'm the Director of Worship and Technology here at Marion Methodist. Um, Pastor Mike is on vacation this weekend. Um, So since the boss is away, we get to do whatever we want, right? It's kind of like, kind of reminds me when I was a kid, my parents would um, go to, uh, go out to dinner, leave me with the babysitter. And so you start to like, kind of push the boundaries and see how much you can get away with, right? So like, uh, well, mom always lets me have ice cream before bed, right? Or... uh, Dad always lets me play hockey in the house. Like, that's, that's a given, you know. So, you know, initially in this kind of spirit, I was thinking, well, what, what fun things could we do maybe? Uh, maybe I'd use, uh, make fun of the Dallas Cowboys as a ser- sermon illustration. I- <laughs> or uh, play the Iowa fight song as a postlude. No. Um, but then I remembered that we record these services. <laughs> And I still want to work here next week. (laughs) So in this sermon series uh, called The Big Move, we've been looking at different scripture passages throughout the scriptural history and looking at these stories of of where God has called uh, someone to a big move and a movement of faith and how that can inform us and shape us as we prepare to make our physical move to our new facility out in REC Drive. And this morning we're looking at this famous account of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. But more specifically, I'm going to look at this remarkable interaction that, that Jesus has with Martha, the sister, one of the sisters of Lazarus. Um, because it's just a few short sentences. It's a small portion of what we had read today. But it has a potentially massive impact on how we can live our lives. So I'm going to give you a roadmap this morning for um, 
kind of what, we're, what I'm going to cover uh, so you can know what to expect a little bit. We're going to talk about how Jesus transforms our death. We're going to talk about how Jesus transforms our life. And finally, how this needs to transform our expectations as we move to the new facility. To give you a brief recap of this story, you know, there's a lot of things that happen in these 44 verses. Jesus hears that Lazarus, who is the brother of Mary and Martha, is sick. And these are close family friends of Jesus. And um, so it, it's a little jarring that he stays where he is for two days. But so by the time that he reaches Bethany, the city where they live, Lazarus has been dead four days. And Jesus, throughout this passage, talks to both sisters, Mary and Martha, and goes to the tomb and raises Lazarus. This is a crazy story. It's an amazing miracle. But the, but the remarkable thing for us, I think, today is this interaction in the midst of the story between Jesus and Martha. I'm going to read these uh, few verses, starting in 21. Martha said to Jesus... Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Now, Martha doesn't realize what's happening. She doesn't quite understand what Jesus means when he says, your brother will rise again. She thinks he's, he's talking about someday, sometime in the future, that um, all the believers will be resurrected and, and lived with Jesus, and that's when she'll see her brother again. Now, this is a really good church person answer. This is, I mean, this is, um, this is really what most religious people would expect her to say. But she doesn't realize that what Jesus is saying has an immediate impact on what's going to happen next. And I think that we are, are somewhat in the same situation. We think that when we're talking about eternal life and we're talking about life after death, that, that Jesus is saying someday, sometime in the future. But Jesus is offering us far more than a promise in the future. He has, what he says in this conversation has immediate impacts for us. Right now, in this conversation, Jesus transforms the meaning of life and death for believers. So I'm going to put this sentence up on the screen, because, and we're going to dissect it a little bit. So um, I've, there, are, there are a couple of underlined and bold places here, and we're going to go through them. So I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Jesus uses two metaphors, two images for himself. So in that first sentence, it says, I am the resurrection and the life. These are two images that Jesus is giving. And the following sentence explains uh, what these images mean. Now, at first glance, we might think that, oh, well, this is just a restating of the same things. 
but that's, that's not what's going on here. There are two images in the two sentences that follow that first one explain them. This first sentence explains how Jesus transforms our death. So, take a look at this one. We've got the underlined parts shown here. I am the resurrection and the life. Everyone who, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Jesus as our resurrection means that physical death no longer has any power over believers. Jesus suffered the consequences of our sin and through his death on the cross has completely destroyed death's ability to separate us from eternal life with him. That's why it says, I am the resurrection. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. We were not intended to die. We were not created to die. Death is a consequence. It is a direct result of sin in the world. And that's why it hurts so much when we lose someone. Because fundamentally, deep down, we know that this is not the way that things are supposed to be. When we look at what has happened in Florida this past week, there's something deep within us that says this is not how things were supposed to be. But Jesus, as our resurrection, by living the perfect life and suffering all the consequences of sin and death, our future is no longer determined by death. Instead, our future is determined by our faith in Jesus. Jesus transforms our death from being an end to a beginning. The second sentence explains how Jesus transforms our life. What this means is that our belief in Jesus is the beginning of our eternal life, our connection with Him. Jesus as our life means that our present is shaped and determined by our faith in Jesus and is the beginning of our eternity with Him. Now I'm going to make this little distinction here. Oftentimes when people talk about eternal life, In the church, they mean that someday, sometime after we die. What Jesus is saying right here is that from the moment of belief, from the moment we place our faith in Jesus, that is the beginning of an eternal connection. That is the beginning of an eternal relationship. That is the beginning of our eternal life. We don't have to wait. We can experience eternal life now. Therefore, when Jesus is transforming our life and death, he is transforming our future and our present. Both are determined by our faith in him. That is how we can live even though we die and live without ever dying. Through the transforming power of faith in Jesus. This transformation of our present and our future is what I like to call this resurrected life. Resurrection life. Victory over death is possible through Christ as our resurrection. We can begin our eternal connection with Christ now as our life. And we can be used for Christ, by Christ, for the redemption of the world and work for things of eternal significance. And we can anticipate And look forward to someday, sometime, the putting back 
of the way things used to be. Believers of Jesus are no longer slaves trying to desperately grasp at empty happiness in a perishing world. No longer trapped by the fear of inevitable death. Instead, believers are called into a life of freedom. Set free to live devoted to Jesus with complete confidence in the irrevocable love of God and the promise of eternity with Him. Resurrection life is available for everyone. God's will for our life is finally possible. That's what this means. Through Jesus as our resurrection, we have the authority and the power to kill the influence of death in our life. We are able to live with confidence of our future and living our eternal life now in connection and relationship with Jesus. This is what Paul was talking about when he was writing his letter to the church in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Through Jesus, we can experience victory over death and experience true life. This is the big move. This is the big move. We can live our eternal life now. A lot of times in the church, we only talk about this around the time of somebody's death. In fact, this passage that we're focusing on today is most commonly read as a part of a funeral service, part of a funeral liturgy. But if we only use it in this context, if we only think about it in this context, we're missing the call that Jesus is giving us right now. Cardinal John Henry Newman was an English priest in the Catholic Church in the mid-1850s, and he says it this way, Fear not that your life will come to an end, but rather that it shall never have a beginning. Fear not that your life shall come to an end, but rather that it would never have a beginning. Our life... Our fear should not be that this earthly life will come to an end. Our fear should be that our eternal life has not yet begun. Salvation is not just about going to heaven. Jesus has saved us for a purpose. That we can grow in our relationship with Him and live a life caring about the things that He cares about. Living a life for eternal things, knowing that everything that's earthly is just going to pass away. Jesus has transformed our death so that we can live a transformed life both now and into eternity. Now I'm going to pause for a second. I've got two different messages in this next portion. And some of it may apply to you and some of it may not. So if you are in this room and you are feeling a little uneasy, this talk of eternal life and death and salvation... This is a little uncomfortable for you. Maybe you feel a little bit of urging or unsurety about what's going on. But I want you to consider right now that that feeling may be God inviting you and calling you right now to start your eternal relationship with Him. See, God's desire for us, for you, is that we would all experience the freedom and confidence that only comes 
by living with Jesus. This is what Jesus came for. It's what he died for. He didn't come to earth to tell us everything that we've done wrong and to show favoritism to a chosen few and exclude the rest. That's not why he came. He came to invite you, to invite all of us to experience the life that he desires for us, both now and in eternity. So if that's to you this morning, don't wait to begin that relationship. Don't wait. Talk to someone. Talk to me. Talk to Pastor Mike. Talk to anyone on the church staff. Talk to someone here. We'll be glad to pray with you. And I'd say that this prayer is not a magical process. It's not an incantation or a ritual. The only reason I ask you to do that is because it's simply a way for you to speak out loud to someone else what God is doing in your heart. To state your belief in Jesus and who He is and what He's done and to welcome Him to transform you, to come into your life, to transform you so you can begin that eternal life with Him. So again, if this is you this morning, don't wait, don't ignore this urging that God is giving you. Respond. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to move on, but don't let that be an excuse. Don't let that be your excuse this morning. Secondly, if you are here this morning, if you're sitting here because you have accepted and you have welcomed Jesus, don't just sit there. God has not called you to hold down the pews at Marian Methodist just in case they blow away. That's not why we're here. We're not supposed to stand silently by waiting for heaven to come. We are not the frozen chosen. That's not what we're supposed to be. We are called to live transformed lives, working for the things of eternity now. When Jesus raised Lazarus, he instructed those at the tomb to help Lazarus remove the grave clothes from his body. Some of us Christians have been raised to life in Christ. We have responded to God's call, but we still have our grave clothes on. We still stink of death. Our life is still marked by the priorities and the characteristics of a life lived for earthly things. Now, this kind of reminds me, okay, so when, when, when I was growing up, I was in middle school, right? You uh, begin to experience changes in your body, and I found, actually, that um, when I played dodgeball in the morning before school and got a big sweat on and then wore the same clothes the rest of the day, a smell started to emit that didn't happen to me before when I was a little kid. A lot of us Christians have experienced this change, but we don't realize and we ignore the fact that we still stink of death. We have not taken on that authority to take off our grave clothes. This is what Paul is talking about in his letter to the Colossians. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ... Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. 
For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. And this is the point. This is the part. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. Worshipping the things of this world. Christian friends, we may be redeemed. But we all know that there are still earthly things lurking within us. So I encourage you, Christ is your resurrection. He has given you authority and power to follow after him. To take those grave clothes off. To get rid of the stink of death in your life. So the question now becomes, what do we put on instead? What do we wear instead of our grave clothes? Paul answers this question later in the same letter that we just read. Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I encourage you this morning, leave behind the passing things of this dying world and join God's work to redeem it. Take on the authority of Jesus working in your life and kill your selfish, prideful, sinful behaviors and use what God has given you specifically to live sacrificially. Use your abilities and resources to do justice to serve selflessly, to give generously, to share the truth of Jesus boldly. Take hold of your calling. Don't be stinky Christians. Take off those old grave clothes. Live your eternal life now. This resurrected life that Jesus is calling us to in this passage is God's purpose for the church It's clear in our mission statement. I'm going to put that on the screen. Let's say this together. The mission of the church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The fact of the matter is, there are dead people in Marion. There are dead people in Marion. There are dead people all around us They are living in desperation, chasing after perishable sources of hollow happiness. They're longing for something they can't even fully describe. There are dead people afraid of the death that inevitably waits for them, avoiding the questions they don't know the answers to, unaware of the hope and life that Jesus offers them. There are dead people in Marion. At the end of our story today, Jesus stands at the tomb of Lazarus and he calls those that are gathered around the tomb to roll away the stone. He's asking us to do the same thing. Jesus is calling us to roll away the stones from the, for the dead people in our life. He is calling us to roll away the stones for them. Because Christians, we know that we do not work unopposed in this world. 
Satan is always working to place stones, to grow the stones in people's lives as obstacles for them to hear, accept, and believe the words of Jesus to them. Now these stones, they take a lot of different forms. There may be people that have stones of guilt or feeling unworthy of what God is calling them to in their life. They may have had a traumatic experience within the church when they were younger, or they may be completely discouraged by the hypocrisy that exists within the church. These may be stones in people's lives from hearing the gospel of Jesus. They may be apathetic. They may have addictions. They may just simply be misinformed. They may, be, they may have resentment and suspicion of a God who would allow so much suffering to occur in the world. These are stones in people's lives. And Jesus is calling us to roll them away. Some of these stones are heavier than others. It's never easy, but that is the work that God has called us to. So keep chipping away at those stones. Keep working, keep conversing, keep inviting people, keep sharing your faith with others because you never know when the last piece of that stone may chip away and fall away and somebody can hear Jesus calling their name for the first time. Our new building, it won't raise the dead. All the technology, all the new furniture, the fancy stuff, even the parking spaces, they don't have any power to raise the dead. They won't do it. Here's what's going to take. Here is what it's going to take. It will require a community of believers committed to using all of our abilities and resources to roll away the stones from the dead people that we meet. It will require boldness to share the gospel of Jesus in the tombs of our community. It will require faith to follow Jesus wherever He leads us because He is the only one Who can raise the dead to life? Here's the thing about living for Jesus. It's going to require more of us than we could ever expect. It's going to require more of us than we could ever expect. But it's also going to offer us more than we could ever dream. The new building, all the stuff that's in it, They're just tools. They're great tools. They're tools that we've worked really hard for, but they're just tools. And tools are meant to be used by the people who are being used by Jesus. That's what they're intended for. That is what it's going to take to bring the dead to life. So I urge you this morning, take hold of the victory that Jesus gives you over death in your life. Embrace the transformed, eternal life that Jesus offers you right now and use everything, I mean everything, at your disposal to roll away the stones so that the dead may come to life. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, 
we stand before you in awe of, what, of the work that you have done in our lives. We claim you as our resurrection and as our life. Lord, give us the strength and conviction and courage to respond to you, to respond to your calling. Give us boldness to take on our authority and put to death the things in our life that cause us to stink, the grave clothes that we're still trapped in. And Lord, we pray that you'd give us the courage to follow you and to respond to you, asking us to roll away the stones so that the dead may come to life. All this we ask and pray and hope in your name. Amen. And at, the, at this time, we'll have the ushers come forward to receive the offering. <clears throat>